Our reading this morning will come from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him and He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Thank you, Ben. Good morning, church. I want to thank each and every one of you for being here. Also, for those of you that might be visiting, thank you so much for coming our way today. If you have your Bibles, open up to the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, hold your finger there at Proverbs chapter 3 and open up to 1 Corinthians, and we'll come back there in just a moment. I want to encourage all of you that can possibly be here this afternoon to be here. Uh, it will be a great opportunity for us to fellowship, spend time together, encourage one another, and just enjoy each other's company as well as uh, enjoy enjoy uh, fellowship around a meal together. Also, I want to thank Miss Tammy and all of those uh, that uh, the staff at Love and Learn. Uh, we have the opportunity to see a lot of the things that Miss Tammy and, and others do uh, each and every day throughout the week, and so we really appreciate uh, Miss Tammy and, and all the staff there and what they do. And they do a great job with these young people, and they are uh, in a mission field of their own. And they do a great job, and we are so thankful uh, for the job that they do. So, Miss Tammy, thank you very much. Uh, also, I want to encourage you. Uh, Bobby, I'm not sure if you're in here or if you're listening, but uh, I want you to know, you and Miss Helen, to know that we will be lifting you up in prayer. And we thank you for sharing that prayer request with us so that we can uh, pray with you and lift you up to Almighty God. The book of Proverbs is considered a book of wisdom. And I want you to notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 what Paul says, uh, writes to the Corinthians about wisdom. You see, the Corinthians, they loved wisdom. They lived in a culture and had a culture that they longed for and they sought after wisdom. And notice what Paul says to them. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has God has not God made foolish the wisdom of those of this world? For since the wisdom of God in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than 
men. Worldly wisdom tells us a lot of different things, doesn't it? Uh, a lot of times I'll come across stories and illustrations that are great ways to open up what we're going to talk about. And then sometimes, fortunately or unfortunately, those illustrations happen to me whether I want them to or not. And one such illustration happened to me on Friday. Now, you may not can see up close, but if you get close to my left eye, you will see my illustration. And so on Friday, I was loading down a trailer. Maybe you've used one of these. It's a rubber tie-down strap. Now, what's on the end of these are metal hooks. And we think wisdom says, just turn that thing over and loop it. And it'll hold itself, right? Well, it is right now, but you put some pressure on it. And sometimes bad things can happen. Yeah, that's right. Jeffrey, you've had it before. Maybe some of you have. What was interesting, I was thinking about that just a little bit ago. And I was thinking, well, you can see how that hook can turn and you put pressure on it and it pops and whatever you have it hooked on, it can come back. Well, I was thinking about telling you about this illustration. And I was thinking back to what I was doing. I remember thinking about, okay, what's the best way to strap this down? And I can pull it down and tra- attach it to the trailer there and we'll be good. <clears throat> and then I had that hooked around a piece of furniture. And a le- around that, and I'm just pulling on it. All the while I'm just standing there thinking, now what's the best way to do this? And really, it's, it's about like this. And that end comes off and pops me right in the eye. Yes, I'm very fortunate that I can still see this morning. But what I want you to know is, I was thinking in my own wisdom, oh, that won't happen to me. Well, I have the injury to prove that I was absolutely wrong. You know, they often say, wear safety glasses. Oh, that's just a suggestion, right? Well, it's wise advice. And I would have heeded and been a lot better off if I would have listened to that advice and had protective eyewear on. Guess what? People may not laugh at me this morning. Oh my goodness, what happened to you? You see, the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And we can think about safety eyewear, and we can think about all these other things, and we can possibly think about, you know, maybe I shouldn't use these all that much or put such pressure on them, especially with a metal end on it. Maybe sometimes we look at God's Word and we say, you know what? That's a great suggestion, but you know what? That's not going to happen to me. I thought the same thing. And so this morning, I want you to I want us to understand when we think about when we think about God's word and we think about this book of wisdom. I, I want us to remember that it's not just a good suggestion, okay? When we read things in God's Word, they're not just good suggestions. You see, when we read things in God's Word, this is the wisdom from God 
given to us because it can make our life better and it can protect us. Someone said this about the book of Proverbs. Because we need more than ethical principles, we need new hearts. We need wisdom deep within at an intuitive level. As we hurry from one complex decision to the next, moment by moment, in the concrete realities of our daily lives, without God's wisdom, many difficulties in life will remain confusing and threatening. With God's wisdom entering in our our hearts, we get the hang of how life really works and we come alive more and more. Irenaeus, the early Christian theologian, famously said, the glory of God is man fully alive. This guy goes on to say, he was not stuck with us, he chose us because he loves us and now he is coaching us in how we can be fully alive for his glory. So these are not just suggestions. It's wise counsel from Father God who knows us because He created us. He knows what's best for us because He created us. And He knows what will protect us because He created us. Look in the Proverbs chapter 3 there. In Proverbs chapter 3, there's, there's three things that stand out uh, about wisdom. First of all, uh, the writer, he gives wise counsel. And he says, if you will heed these wise, this wise counsel, this will happen. Verse 2, you will have peace. Verse 4, you will have good success. Verse 8, you will have refreshment or strength. Now think about the wisdom that we listen to. Think about the wisdom that, that, that we listen to on a daily basis, whether you're watching television, you're surfing, surfing the internet, you're reading the paper or magazines or whatever it is, you're listening to this coach or that. Just think about the, the, the wisdom that we hear on a daily basis and ask ourselves this question. Does that wisdom bring peace? Now the peace we're talking about is the peace that passes all understanding that only can come from God. Does that bring good success into our lives? Now, I don't necessarily mean uh, success from the world's point of view. And does that wisdom bring refreshing and strength into our lives? Like the deer that's spoken about in Psalm 42, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. You see, that's what the Proverbs writer is talking about. That's the wise counsel that he's received from God and that he's written in written form so that you and I today can still benefit from that wisdom if we will put it into action. Unlike I did the other day. Look at verses 5 and 6. Probably the most well-known verses of this particular proverb. 
Many of us could likely quote it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct or, shall direct or make straight your paths. The proverb writer gives wise counsel and he says, trust. You see, that word trust, it means to, to have confidence. To have confidence in the thing that we're putting our trust in. Not the confidence in ourselves or that that's not going to happen to me. And we learn a valuable lesson. But to put that confidence in God. Notice that what the proverb says. He said, trust, put your confidence, trust in the Lord with all your heart. With everything you have. Because God wants wholehearted service. Because He knows, Matthew 6 verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The Lord Jesus Himself said in Matthew 22 and verse 37, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. In other words, you love God with everything. And the proverb writer says, You trust God with everything. Everything. I came across this story. About a man on one winter day, he's crossing a river. It's frozen. Now how would you cross a river that was frozen? Well, this man got down on all on his knees and on his hands and he's crossing real slowly and cautiously. He doesn't know how thick it is. He doesn't want to fall in and risk death, right? And as he's slowly, cautiously going across that ice, he hears a noise. And behind him he notices uh, uh, four horses and a carriage and a man on there just whipping those horses and they're moving at a fast pace and they go right across that river, right across the top of that ice and on their way. You see, the difference was the man in the wagon, he was a local. And he knew exactly how thick the ice was. But far too often many Christians are going through life cautiously, all down on all fours, cautiously figuring it out. And then there comes across a wholehearted Christian flying by, living life to the fullest. Not wildly, but to the fullest in God. And it makes a difference to all those who are around. The Hebrew verb translated trust is very much like the Arabic verb that means to throw oneself down on one's face in complete reliance. In other words, the word means we stake everything. Everything in the Gospel promises of God. Everything. We stake it down right there in those promises of God. If God fails, we're doomed. If God comes through, then we're saved forever. That's trusting in God with all our heart.
Somebody said A.W. Tozer nailed it when he wrote, Pseudo-faith always arranges a way out to serve in case God fails it. Real faith knows only one way and gladly allows itself to be stripped of any second way or makeshift substitutes. For true faith, it is either God or total collapse. And not since Adam stood up on the earth has God failed a single man or woman who trusted Him. That's a person who knows how thick the ice is. So what is it we put our wholehearted trust into today? Is it the wisdom of God or the wisdom of man? And I think about that question. And this morning in our Bible class we started the book of 1 Peter. And as I listened to the discussion, I thought to myself about the position that those people were in. They were being persecuted for being a Christian. And you say, well, just trust in God. Just trust in the wisdom of God and everything's going to work out. That's not what the writer of 1 Peter was saying. I believe he's saying very similar to what the proverb writer is. You stake everything in God. Because here's the options. Here's the outcome. If you do not stake everything in God, guess what? We can fall by with the rest of the world. But when we stake everything in God, guess what? We may be persecuted we may be taken advantage of. We may not really see a lot of good success in this life based on the world's point of view. But when we stake everything in Christ, Peter says, there's heaven. And Peter reminds those people that heaven is far better than any mansion that this world could ever bring. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. But what else can help us? What what other wise counsel does a proverb writer give us? He says, not leaning on our own understanding. You you see, uh, Tyndale says that, that to lean is not to incline, but to support yourself. And the proverb writer says, do not support yourself in your own wisdom. In your own understanding. In what you think is right. In what I think is right. In what the world tells me is right. Someone asked the question, do we let the Bible overrule our thinking? That's a good question. It's a good book with some good suggestions in it, isn't it? I remember the late Marshall Keeble saying, if you don't want to be a Christian, you just live by that book and you'll be a better person. Because that this book is not just good 
suggestions. Do we let the Bible overrule our thinking? You know, we may stand up for Scripture when, when Scripture agrees with me, right? Oh man, that's it right there. I'm telling you. I, I, I see it. That's, that's the way I believe, man. That's it. But what happens when the Bible contradicts the way I think? What happens when the Bible contradicts what I believe to be true? You see, that can present a problem, can it? You see, when, when, we, put, when we put our faith and our trust in the wisdom of the world or in what we think, in reality we reject God and we reject God's people. Look at verses 7 and 8 of Proverbs chapter 3. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength or refreshment to your bones. So many live in view of worldly wisdom. And in the wisdom of their own eyes. But the problem is, the problem comes when Christians live that way. When Christians live that way and other people say, you know what, I, I don't believe anymore. You know what, I don't believe in Christianity because I don't believe in Christians. You see, they wear a cross around their neck and they enter into church buildings, but when they go out, they live so differently from the cross that they have around their neck and the building they walk in and claim to worship in. You see, that's when the problem comes. And so you see the challenge for you and I and the challenge that we read in Scripture, and there's some tough things in Scripture. 1 Peter chapter 1, there's some tough things there. 1 Corinthians, powerful book. We're studying that in ladies' Bible class. Powerful book. There's some challenging things there. But if we want to make a difference, it's when we allow people in the world to see us stake down the trust and the faith in our lives in Jesus Christ and that make a difference in what they see in us. It makes a difference in how they see us act. And how they see us treat other people. Other people that are not living that way as well. The wisdom counsel of God says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He shall make your path straight. You know, it's easy to want to give God some of our ways, isn't it? It's easy to say, you know what, God, you can have this, but I just don't know about this over here. 
And God says, give it all to me. Stake everything on me. Proverbs 1 and verse 1 has been read for us. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things are going to be given to you, added unto you. You will be taken care of. Think about this question. Why is it we do what we do? Why do you go to work? Why do you go to school, young people? Oh, you might say, well, I have to. I have to go to work because I have to make money because I have to provide for my family. Well, I have to go to school because it's the law and my parents will make me. Why do you do the extracurricular things that you do? Well, I enjoy it. Uh, It's good for my health. All those are good, but I want you to think about it this way. Whatever it is, whether it's every day I get up and I go to work, I get up and I go to school, I get up and I go to this activity or that, that activity because I enjoy it. What if we got up every day and we did the things that we did for the glory of God? Imagine how different my job would be. Imagine how different my school day would be. Imagine how different my play or my activity would be on the ball field or in the gym. Because see, I'm no longer doing it for me. I'm going to put everything in. I'm mistaking everything in Jesus Christ. Oh, what a difference that would make when people look at us individually and people look at us collectively as the body of Christ. You see, to acknowledge means to know, to be aware of. Someone said it this way. The verb to know includes mental awareness of who God is and the consequential submission to His Lordship. To know Him is to obey Him. The sage is calling for a life of trust and obedience in which the disciple sees the Lord in every event and relies on Him. To acknowledge the Lord in every event means trusting and obeying Him for guidance in right conduct. So to acknowledge Him... In all aspects of our life, mean we fully rely on Him. We fully see Him in every event, and we are involved in every event for His glory. And we do not rely on ourselves alone. Imagine. Let's 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 make it tougher. Imagine someone sitting in this room right now. Stabbed you in the back. And I'm not talking about literally with a knife. I'm talking about with words and actions. So we've just been talking about good events, right? Good activities. 
But what if, it, what, if, what if, if one of your brothers and sisters in Christ have mistreated you and done you wrong, what if you approach God and you say, I'm going to put my trust and my faith in Jesus Christ, all in God, and I'm going to say, what would God have me to do? 1 Corinthians 6, powerful. Talking about suing a brother. Paul says, you shouldn't do that. There's some deeper things there because it connects to chapter 5. But he's saying, you are getting so upset over these little petty things, whatever it is, and you're taking your brother or sister to court and you're dragging you and Jesus Christ and the church all through the mud on your way. And Paul says... Wouldn't you have been better off if you'd have just been cheated? You see, maybe sometimes we think when Jesus said, turn the other cheek, that He's literally, when that strap is coming back at me, I'm going to turn, let me get the other eye. But maybe it's sometimes, wouldn't it just be better just to be cheated? than to drag my brother or sister in Christ and Jesus and the church all through the mud on my way to make it right? And what an example that would say to to the brother or sister who stabbed me in the back. I'm taking the high road because I'm staking everything in my life in Jesus Christ. You see, that likely will make a difference in the whole outcome. But the reality is we can look around this room and we can say, you guess what, I'm not going to be judged on what you do to anybody else or what you do to me. I'm going to be judged on what I do. And the way I react. And where I put my confidence in. When we do this, the wise counsel of God says, and He shall direct your paths or make your paths straight. Literally, He's saying, He will make them plain. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 119.105, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my way. It makes everything clearer. It also means that we constantly and continually are moving toward a goal. Paul would say in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the, of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's my goal. My goal is I want to please God. That's not always easy. My goal is I want to get to heaven. And sometimes like Peter, I'm going to be distracted. Because I was very upset when that thing came by and popped me in the eye because i got to stand up here in front of everybody and they're going to think I'm a fool. You're right, I am. But when I put everything in Jesus Christ, like Paul says, listen, come back, Peter. Put your eyes on Jesus. And let's keep moving toward the goal. Life is difficult. It's very difficult. 
But when we stake everything in Jesus Christ, the wise counsel of God says, I'm going to make the way plain. You will know. It will be easier to know the path to take. Around 1855, Charles Blondin, maybe you remember this story. I've heard this story. I've read it in different ways. But this one was a little bit different and had a little bit greater impact. Charles Blondin wanted to cross Niagara Falls, and he did, on a tightrope. Well, if you've ever been to Niagara Falls, I mean, those things are churning, right? This is not an easy task. Especially if the wind is blowing. And you've got all that stuff happening below you. And there's a lot of different versions to, uh, to, to make examples from this story. But this is one I'd never heard before until this week. Blondin says, Do you believe I can go across this tightrope? Oh, we believe, the crowd says. We believe you can do it. And then he asked, do you believe I can, like the picture, go across this tightrope with someone on my back? We believe, we believe, the crowd says. Alright, who's ready to volunteer? And as the story goes, a hush came over the whole crowd. All you could hear was the roar of the water. Until... One man raised his hand. That man was Harry Calgert, Calgert, Blondin's manager. He raised his hand. He said, I'll do it. Why? Because he knew and he trusted in Blondin's strength and ability with all his heart. So what about us? What are we trusting in? Conventional wisdom? That will come back and bite you. Are we staking everything in Jesus Christ? What's going on in your life today? What are you struggling with? Is it somebody else in this room? Is it someone at work? Is it someone at school? Is it someone in my neighborhood? What are you staking everything in? Bring those issues before the throne of God. And if you need to do so with your church family, do that. Bobby has asked us to pray with him today. Maybe you have some issue in your life. And you need us to pray with you. You need us to lift you up to the throne of God to say, we want to stake everything in Jesus Christ, even my problems, even my difficulties. Maybe it is you're here today and you haven't placed your full trust in God by submitting and giving your life back to Him in the watery graves of baptism. to rise in newness of life, going on your way rejoicing, claiming through your life, I'm staking everything in God through Jesus Christ. As together we stand and sing.